Good to have you here this morning, and I want to continue our look at Bible prophecy, but let's go ahead and begin here this morning by turning to 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. As we've been going through Bible prophecy, I think it's good for us to understand that uh, what we're talking about is not something that just made up or something to scare people or something just a maybe kind of situation or could be kind of situation. Uh, the Bible says here in 2 Peter chapter 1, the prophecy is of a sure nature. And so I just want to start out considering that here this morning as we consider some more thoughts on Bible prophecy. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 16, the Bible says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But are, were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for we received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. It goes on in verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the dawn day and the day star arise in our hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Again, I want to consider some things on Bible prophecy here today, but let's go ahead and pray before we get into the message. Father, thank you, Lord, again for this morning, this time we can meet. Uh, gather together, certainly would desire to see more, uh, understand, know, and prepare for what is to come. I pray that you would again help us by your grace to consider some sure prophecy that really, I believe few are really, uh, again, knowledgeable about and help us by your grace again to be able to receive the word as truth and embrace it and again be motivated and, and uh, live according to what we know. We pray this in Jesus' name. And for his sake, amen. I'm not here again really to exposit this passage here in 2 Peter, but what it talks about is the, the fact that Peter had the opportunity to see something happen, and it was true. And he mentions again, hearing a voice from heaven in verse number 17 from the Father saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I well pleased. And then it goes on to verse 18, This voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the mount. And then he goes on and says this, but we have also a more sure word of prophecy. A more sure word of prophecy. And again, what is that prophecy? Well, look at verse number 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so what he's talking about is the Bible. And what he's talking about is prophecy that came from preachers and how this prophecy is more sure than something that he actually experienced in life. And as we talk about Bible prophecy today, I'm going to talk about what many may call the real doomsday. The real doomsday. You know, there is a doomsday clock. And again, it's a clock that was set in 1947. It was set at 7 minutes to 12 noon. And at 12 noon, that's when the end would come. 
That doomsday clock has been moved forward sometimes and moved back sometimes since 1947. And since 2020, it is at 100 seconds to 12 noon. And again, someone say, well, boy, we're, we're almost there. We're almost at the end. Again, uh, doomsday is here. And again, this doomsday clock, again, is just a clock set by people, people that uh, believe there will be a man-made catastrophe that will take place at some time in the future because of what man has done, etc. And it's based on climate change. It's based on wars and rumors of wars. It's we're based on disease and possibilities of economic disasters, etc. And again, it deals with what men may think is a doomsday, a day when all life will be exterminated, possibly on the earth. All civilization will be wiped out at that time. And some would say, oh boy, I'm scared. Doomsday is nearly here. That's doomsday through man's perspective. The definition from the Webster 1828 dictionary is a day of final judgment. A day of final judgment. Again, it's also described by others as being a time of total destruction and total, again, annihilation. Again, I'm sure there's been comics written and certainly, again, movies created that talk about a doomsday, a doomsday event, a doomsday type of occurrence. But I want to mention here in verse number 16, it says, And we have not fouled cunningly devised fables. I'm not going to foul the fables of this world, the things that the world might come up with. I mean, we're, we hear politicians someday say that we don't do something with the climate. We have only 10 years left, 12 years left, six years left, five years left, whatever it might be. And they have their doomsdays. But we have prophecy that tells us about things to come. We've looked at things like the rapture, and it is to come. It doesn't matter what the world thinks about the rapture. It doesn't matter personally what I think about the rapture, or you think about the rapture, or really anybody thinks about the rapture. But there's a day come when Jesus Christ will return to this earth, and he will call those who are believers onto him, and people will be called out of the graves, their bodies will come out of the graves, and that is sure to happen. There's a rule of the Antichrist is coming. And as we look around in our world, I just, you know, years ago I might have said, I don't think people would fall in line with the eye of Christ very well. They wouldn't, they wouldn't uh, you know, take a mark so they could buy or sell or eat or anything like that. I mean, just people would never do something like that. But as I was talking to someone out at camp about uh, some final events, prophetic events, I was talking to him about those things. He was saying, you know, for food, people would just about do anything. <laughs> For food, people just about do anything. You starve a population, they'll just about do anything. They'll just about kill anybody. They'll just about side with anybody. They'll do just about anything. And so it doesn't matter if we believe again in a rule of an Antichrist, but there's going to be coming a world leader that is the Antichrist. And there's a false prophet, and they're going to be able to do some amazing things, and people will think, Wow, they're amazing, they're cool, they're, they're smart, they're intelligent, they're powerful, and people will fall into line. But then as this Antichrist decides to seek to destroy Jerusalem 
and destroy the Jews and annihilate them and destroy them off the face of the earth. Along will come Jesus. And he will return in Revelation chapter 19 and Zechariah chapter 14. That is absolutely sure. That is sure. You know, we don't know if we'll have a 2024 election. You don't know if you're going to live, be living tomorrow. We don't know really anything concerning the, sh- the future for sure. They say a recession is coming. I think the recession is just about here. Walk in a mall, Walmart now. I walked in two Walmarts just recently. I seen that 2009 prices starting to pop up at Walmart. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I walked in a Fargo Walmart. We're acting in Grand Forks Walmart, and you see things for three fifty and two dollars. This is clothing. I'm not saying the recession's here, but I'm guessing the recession will come in the United States. Do you hear about Sri Lanka? Anybody hear about Sri Lanka? Yup, Sri Lanka's economy's collapsed. Again, that's happened again just this weekend, more or less. And there's going to be a global economic type infusion of billions of dollars to keep her afloat. Prophecy is going to come, whether we believe it or not. And as we look again at the things to come, we see the rule of the Antichrist. We see the return of Christ with his saints. And someone says, on horses? Yes, exactly, on horses. White horses. Haven't rode a horse much, but we're coming back. Believers on white horses. And then after that, there's going to be a reign of a thousand years on the earth. And isn't that going to be interesting? A thousand years where Jesus Christ will rule. It'll rule over the whole earth, and people come to worship him, and things will be so different than they are today. People will again be in positions of authority, again set there by Jesus Christ himself to rule and reign in righteousness over communities, over cities. The Bible talks about people ruling over cities. You say, I don't believe that's going to happen. People are going to, Christians. You say, there's a lot of, (laughs) I can't believe on what's going on in Chicago or Los Angeles or Fargo or even here in Valley City or whatever community it might be. And you think, I just don't like who's in power. Well, one day there will be righteous rulers in power. For a thousand years, the Bible tells us this will take place. But let's turn back there to Revelation chapter 20. I want to consider what might be called doomsday. Again, I'm not talking for surely using this term day, maybe again in a way that we would talk about a day, because I don't know exactly how this will take place in the exact timelines. I know when these things will come. They'll come after the thousand-year reign of Christ, but there will be some events that take place after that that will be, as I would classify, a real kind of doomsday. Along the lines of Webster's Dictionary where there will be a day of final judgment. A day of final judgment. Let's go ahead and read in Revelation chapter 20. This is our more sure word of prophecy where we do well to take heed to. And so I want to begin there in verse number five. We certainly could read through the whole chapter, but I want to read verse five through 15 here this morning as we consider uh, the events of doomsday or the events that will follow surely after the millennial reign. Revelation chapter 20, verse number five, it says, and the rest of the dead 
live not again till a thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So there's a thousand years that, again, I just talked a little bit about. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are on the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. The number who is as the sand of the sea, and they went up upon the breath of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about. And that beloved city and fire came down from God out of the heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead that were in them, and death and hell delivered up the dead that were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. As we consider some events of what might be considered doomsday to some degree, I want to consider, first of all, there will be one final revolt of men. One final revolt of men that will take place on the earth. And who will lead this revolt of men upon the earth? Well, Satan himself will lead this final revolt. The Antichrist is not there to lead this final revolt. He was taken down at Armageddon. The false prophet is not there to deceive people, to lead in this final revolt. But yet the devil himself, who has been in prison for a thousand years, the Bible says there, verse number seven, will be loosed out of his prison. And the Bible says there, he will do this, he says, and, and he shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather together to battle the number of who is as the sand of the sea. And so there's going to be a final revolt led by the devil himself. Now that would seem to make sense, and that's what the Bible says will take place. A thousand years of Christ will not lead to everybody following righteousness and joining with the saints of God and deciding to enter in the kingdom of God, just like they never accepted Jesus to a large degree when he was on the earth. They will not accept him as king when he is over the earth. And so there's going to be a regathering. I, I call them rebels, a large group of rebels. After that millennial kingdom, a large group, the Bible says in verse number eight, it says there, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. That's a huge group. Will gather themselves together to follow Satan. You know, history has long passed if time is somewhat like it is during the Millennial Kingdom. That thousand years 
people will look back and say, yeah, well, I think there was some fable maybe about an antichrist and uh, whatever. I don't know what happened, but I'm just saying, they, they just totally forget that the antichrist and the false prophet are in hell because they decided to go up against Jerusalem. Jesus Christ came back and destroyed his armies. Somehow Satan will deceive the nations and peoples again, and he will gather them together, this gathering of rebels who is as the sand of the sea, and says in verse number nine, and they went up on the breath of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in that beloved city. So they come back to Jerusalem again. It's like, take two. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. We see man's last revolt against God, led by the devil. And in that revolt against God, they will seek again to destroy the saints of God. They will think that maybe somehow with the devil on their side, with the devil loose now, with the devil in all his power, they can come against God and the saints of God. And the Bible says in verse number 9, that fire came down from heaven and devoured them. That's what's going to happen. Satan's going to call these people together and they're going to follow him and he's going to have them all rallied together and ready together to, to destroy again Jesus Christ and the armies of the righteous. And they're just going to, they're going to be wiped out by fire. Verse number nine. That comes out of heaven. Someone says, what happens after these rebels that are consumed with fire out of heaven? What happens again to their leader? The Bible says there in verse number 10, it says, what will happen to the leader? What will happen to the devil? Uh, will the devil be exterminated, annihilated, whatever? No, no. The Bible says in verse number 10, the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever. The devil will suffer eternal punishment from God forever. Some would think about the devil. The devil's in hell today. No, the devil's not in hell today. The devil will go to hell someday when he is doomed by God to spend eternity in hell with the false prophet, with the beast, and others before him. He'll be cast into hell just like anybody else. In a sense, I shouldn't say like anybody else. Many scoff at the devil, many scoff at what will happen to the devil, but we see the doom of the devil. The doom of the devil, you see, will be cast into hell. I don't know exactly where this fits in Bible prophecy, and we're not going to talk about this so much here today, but most believers, I believe, believe that the judgment of the angels will take place at this time also. Again, Jude 6, you can, if you're taking notes, you can write that down. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 4. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 3, talks about Christians judging the angels. It will take place at this time, coinciding with this, possibly. Again, this seems to be where it would, would fit together as we see a final reckoning of the devil. We probably will see a final reckoning of the demons and those that follow the devil, those fallen angels, etc. But they will have their doomsday along with the devil too. The doomsday of the dead where they will find their final judgment also follows here. Verse number 11 through verse number 15. 
Many scoff at a final reckoning, accounting of a lost men before God. Many scoff at the ability for God to judge men since he doesn't seem to judge men now. He seems to allow men to go on and on doing their evil things and found their wicked ways, even perverting their own bodies today, mutilating themselves. And yet the Bible says he will one day judge. And here is how he will judge. We don't have to come up with a story. We don't have to come up with some kind of cunningly defined account. We don't have to come up with some fictitious or movie-like setting or whatever it might be. Again, the Bible says here in verse 11, this is exactly how that last judgment will take place. That doomsday judgment will take place. It says in verse 11, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small, great stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to the works. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to his works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We see again here in the Bible some greats that are mentioned here in this day of reckoning or this day of doom. For those who have sided with the devil, for those who have sided with unbelief, with those who have sided not to believe in Jesus Christ, the Bible mentions some greats here. It mentions in verse number 11, a great throne. And I saw a great throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. The word great simply means to be large, high, and mighty. To be a large throne set before all men. Does it give the, the dimensions of the throne? It does not. Bino is the supreme, sovereign throne of God. It is white. It pictures his, his holiness, his purity. And many, many, many today think God is not holy, but they will find out he surely is. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This holy and high throne will be set before men. And upon this throne will be but one judge. No jury, but one judge. It says there, verse number 11, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it. Imagine John seeing this. John had said, Jesus. You see, a humble servant, a humble savior. And now on this throne, he sees a great judge. He sees the great I am. He sees Jehovah, in a sense. He sees the Lamb of God. He sees the door. He sees the line of the tribe of, of Judah. He sees this all prophetically as he has a more sure word of prophecy and he shares that with us. He sees a great white throne. He sees somebody upon it. He sees Jesus there. Turn to John chapter 5. John wrote of Jesus and the judgment that he would be involved with. And uh, we know this because the Word of God talks about Jesus being the judge. 
he being the Savior, will rightfully be called into a place of judgment. The Father, the Bible says, will give judgment or authority to execute judgment to the Son. We see that in John chapter 5 and some verses here in John chapter 5. I want to look at just a few of them again as uh, we consider again who will be on that great throne. It says in John chapter 5 and verse number 22, it says, For the Father Father judges no man, but committeth all judgment unto the Son. So this final judgment, who's going to be there? The Son will be there. Verse number 26, it says there, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. He is a life giver, but he is also a judge. God's Son will sit on the throne to judge all men. The life giver, the one that you can find life in, will also be the one that will doom folks to death. Everlasting punishment in a place called the lake of fire. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs 26. Someone says, who's on that great throne? It'll be a son who is great. It'll be a son who is pure. It'll be a judge that is righteous. Again, someone who knows anything and everything about you and me concerning our life. The great judge of all will be there. The great life giver, the Savior, will be there. But he will be there to judge. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse number 10, the Bible says, The great God that formed all things both rewardeth the fool and rewardeth the transgressors. And so God will reward the transgressors. The great judge will be there. The son will be there. Turn back to Revelation chapter 20. The Bible says here in Revelation 20, again, as there is place or room in the cross, there's place in heaven for you. Jesus said, I prepare a place for you. John chapter 14. We see something very different here in Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11, concerning uh, the folks that, again, will stand in this judgment. It says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, and whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There's found no place for them. Multitudes. People as the sand of the sea. Millions, no doubt, in number, will stand in judgment before God, and there is no place for them. No place of mercy for them, no place of salvation for them, no place of hope for them. There's no place for them. Who are these that will stand before Jesus at this great throne? Verse 12 gives us again exactly who will. It says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. Again, twice in verse number 12, it mentions the dead. The dead, shall, the dead small and great, the dead and shall be judged according to their works. Verse 13, the sea gave up the dead that were in them. Someone says, well, is that just all dead? No, that's... Specifically, the spiritually dead. The spiritually dead of all ages. All those folks that never 
We're made alive through Christ. We're never made alive through finding salvation in the Son. They will be there. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1. Ephesians chapter 2. Again, uh, some folks are not familiar with the, the term being dead and in sins, but again, I just want to point this out again uh, as the Bible again states this in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1. It says, And you hath he quickened, which were dead in trespasses and sins. How can a live person be dead? They're dead in trespasses and sins. Everybody starts out this way, dead in their trespasses and sins. Yet the Bible says in verse number 5, Even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And so, again, someone can move from a place of being dead in sins to quicken or made alive. That's only by Jesus Christ. But all those standing before the throne, those are the dead, who are dead in their trespasses and sins. Ephesians, let's turn to Colossians, if you will. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 13. This crowd of dead spiritually people, people who died unregenerated, people that died without life in Christ, people who had not been made alive through the gospel, people that hadn't been regenerated through the new birth, they will stand before God and they will be judged. Colossians 2, verse 13 says, And you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. Again, the Bible mentions they're dead in, tre- in, in sins, and then it mentions quickened, or be, be given life together, and forgiven all your sins. All people in this world, they're in one or two positions. They're either dead in their sins or they're alive in God. Jesus said in Matthew 8, verse number 21, let the dead bury the dead. How could the dead bury the dead? Only if there are dead people spiritually. Let the dead bury the dead. Matthew 8, verse number 21. How can someone be dead when they're alive? Well, Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 6, he says, She that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. I know that's not maybe something that you hear a lot of times, but there are people walking around as dead people. And they're not the zombies that people talk about today. Oh, so-and-so, they're zombies. No, we're not talking about zombies. No. We're talking about unbelievers. We're talking about people that are dead spiritually, people that haven't been made alive spiritually. And if you're in that position, you'll be standing before God at this final judgment. Let's turn back to Revelation chapter 20. Those standing in this final judgment will be of a vast cross-section of society. A mixed multitude, if you would, Some think, you know, it's just those really wicked, wicked folks and maybe just a very few folks that will stand in judgment before God someday. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not the case. There'll be a wide cross-section of people there. As again, Revelation 20, verse number 11 mentions there that before the throne there found no place for them. Verse 12, it says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. 
It mentions the small and great. And again, it doesn't mean the short and the big or something or great or whatever, but it means the small, those of obscurity. Those unknown, those maybe not known by society. The peasants, the paupers, the poor, the janitor, the jailer, the garbage collector. The obscure of all over the world, people from jungles, people from cities, people from these countries, people of no name, in a sense. Small, small in a sense. Small. But it mentions also the great. The great, again, represents the known, the prominent, the prestigious of history. Celebrities, movie stars, military leaders, presidents, prime ministers, entrepreneurs, billionaires, millionaires, people well known will stand there. Great rich men, great royal men, great men of reputation, people that did things, so to speak, in society, leaders of nations, people of notoriety, politicians, preachers will be in this place to stand before God. Someone says, well, it doesn't matter how rich or poor you are. Does that have a, you know, some people say, well, the poor, they'll all be in heaven. Well, obviously not. The rich shall all make it to heaven. No, they're not going to necessarily be there. Verse number 12 says, again, there, they saw the dead, small, and great stand before God, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged, all those things which were written in a book according to their works. And so this judgment will take place and books will be open, record books will be open that keep evidence showing where you or whoever has sinned against God and they'll be judged according to their works. This was mentioned at camp also. Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 3. Let's turn over there. Some folks may think, you know, nobody knows about what really went on or know what's really going on or what really is happening in their life or what's happening in other people's life. And there's mysteries again to society and what's happened around us. There are criminal cases that have never been found out. There is evidence that's never been come to surface. Sometimes you find these things come out. But yet we know this to be true in Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 3. The Bible says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. God sees it all. God knows it all. And God will judge according to their works. Their works are what they did. Again, I just want you to just take note of this. If you're taking notes, Luke chapter 12, verse number 2, the Bible says there's nothing covered that shall not be revealed. There's nothing covered that shall not be revealed. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes. We're so close there. Again, just forward here just a little bit. Ecclesiastes chapter, I believe, 12 there. And verse number 14, the Bible says, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Christians will be part of, again, a, a judgment of rewards. We call it, again, uh, again a, a judgment, again, of the, the saints, if you would. And there will be, again, a, a judgment that takes place when it comes to those who have done evil. 
Again, the Bible mentions, again, that God will surely judge these things. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 12. Again, I, I, there's, there's other verses that we could go to. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 5. So he'll make manifest the counsels of people's heart. And so someone says, well, I never did anything. It seems like, you know, in society, nothing really bad physically. Nothing, again, maybe that people know about. But again, God will make manifest the counsels of even the heart. Matthew 12, and uh, verse number 36 and verse number 7, 37, it says, And I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account, therefore, in the, the day of judgment. For by the, thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So words and works will be judged. Again, they will be judged by the word of God. John 12, 48 tells us that. But I want us, if you would, to turn to Revelation chapter 20. As we look at this doomsday, there'll be evidences brought forth. It will be coming out of these books that record, again, the works of men on the earth. It also, again, the Bible mentions the words. Every idle word shall be given account in the day of judgment. And people will be condemned according to what they did and what they did not, also by their sinful words, their sinful thoughts, their sinful deeds, their sinful actions. And again, they were brought in a place of judgment to receive their just reward. We see the, the verdict they're given there. Again, I want to, let me just read verse 13 through 15. Again, ver the verdict really is in verse 15, but let's read verse 13 to 15. It says, The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead that were in them. Just want to stop there for a sec second. It mentions hell delivering up the dead that were in there. So there will be people that have been in hell that are brought to this place of judgment. And those that just died or those that are dead in general will be brought to this judgment and they will be judged every man according to their works. Verse 14, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So the Bible mentions the book of life there. Again, I'm not going to have time to look at that here this morning, but it mentions whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There are books to condemn. There's a book, again, that is mentioned here that is the book of life. Again, this is mentioned in the book of Psalms, Psalm 69, verse 28, Exodus chapter 32, verse 33, and a lot of different places, really, in the scriptures. I'm not going to mention a few. I've written some of them off the side, even in my Bible. But it mentions, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. It doesn't seem right. But they're cast in the lake of fire. Verse number 10 says, the devil that was deceived was cast in the lake of fire. You go back to chapter 20, it says, and the beast was taken, the false prophet, and he that wrought miracles which deceived them, and them to receive the mark of the beast and the image. And these were both cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. So the first resonance to this lake of fire, it would seem to, uh, seem to indicate in verse number 20, the, the beast and false prophet end up in there. Satan ends up in there. 
And then all those that are not written in the book of life, they're cast in there too. Cast in there. Jesus warned concerning this place called hell. The lake of fire is a real place. All the dead will join Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet in the lake of fire. This is doomsday. Judged to ever be placed in the lake of fire. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. Just want to show you in Matthew chapter 7 maybe some words that will be uttered to those that are cast in the lake of fire. I think we even find maybe what words might be uttered to them. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 23, it says, Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I profess unto them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Luke chapter 13, verse number 27. Luke chapter 13, verse number 27. What will Jesus say to those that he cast into a lake of fire? I never knew you. I didn't know you at one time and then you got lost or whatever it might. I says, I never knew you. Luke chapter 13, verse number 27, it says, But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, thee that work iniquity. These shall be weeping and gnashing your teeth when you shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. I know you not whence ye are. I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Devil will be those, all those that sided with the devil, all those that didn't believe God and the word of God. They will all be there. But let's turn, if you would, back to Revelation. And I want to just show you in Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 17. The Bible does indicate that God has a desire for folks to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. John tells them of its final doom, but also he talks about a final call, a final invitation that's written in the Word of God. Brother L. Lacey preached a message, the final call. It's actually pretty scary. The final call. It says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. It's free. Voluntary. Spirit says, Come. Holy Spirit says, Come. The bride, that's Jesus, says, Come. Him that heareth says, Come. That's Christian says, Come. And they say, If you're a thirst, come. Take of the water of life freely. No one forced to partake in salvation. But in the final reckoning of lost sinners, all those that reject Christ will end up in hell. Their punishment will be everlasting. Again, if you're taking notes, Matthew chapter 18, verse number 8. Their punishment will be that of burning. Mark chapter 9, verse number 47 through 49. Their punishment will be one of darkness. The book of Jude says that. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 1 says that. But no one has to partake in those things. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that hears say, come. And let him that is a thirst, come. 
And whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely. A doomsday. Bible teaches about this doomsday. According to Webster's Dictionary, it's a time when there will be judgment. According to Revelation chapter 20, as we read there in verse number 11 and 12 and following, there will be a great judgment before a great throne where Jesus Christ would judge and people will fear him and will be judged him. Books will be opened, the Bible says there, verse number 12. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. The Bible will be there. That is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things who were written in the books according to the works. And the sea gave up the dead that were in them. Death and hell delivered up the dead that were in them. And they were judged according to the works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Let's turn to John chapter 1. And I'm going to close here this morning as we consider the final revolt a final reckoning, and some final things that are mentioned about humanity and sinners. God will rid this world of sinners. He had rid this world of Satan and sinners. He will also rid this world of, in a sense, by placing them in a place called the lake of fire. Where this is, I do not know. I don't know what anybody can say exactly where this is. Again, but we do know where hell is. The Bible describes it as down, a place of punishment, a place of fire, a place of burning, a place of thirst, a place of no hope. John chapter 1, verse number 12, the Bible says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which are born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. How can someone escape this doomsday by receiving him? This world's about Christ. This world's about a creator. This world's about the fact that one day people will stand before God's throne, stand before Jesus, the Savior and the Judge. There'll be a great host there of lost folks. Lost folks who just rejected Christ. They rejected his word. They would not repent. They would not believe. Evidence is brought forth that they're they're rightly condemned. The books are show evidence of the sins of their life, the thoughts of their life. And the verdict will be eternal punishment. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Again, it's a sad day, really, if you think about it. Jesus didn't want anybody to go to hell. Sent his son so that people would escape hell. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Believe now, repent now, receive now, or you may be in that great crowd someday. I hope you won't be. Let's close as we consider the Word of God here today.